Drunk Dish contains adult language that may not be appropriate for all listeners. Listener discretion is advised. going. So hello and welcome to Drunk Dish, where three delicious dishes explore food history and get pickled in the process. This is episode 43, where we'll be talking about Brexit. I'm Melissa. I'm Kate. And I'm Amy. We did it. Yay! Um, <laughs> today I'm... <laughs> Really, <laughs> it's only because we're on our best behavior. Yeah, yeah no, that was a triumph. Um, yeah. Today we're joined um, by a very special guest, Nikki from the Nikki Needs an Adult podcast. Um, super, Hi. super excited to have you here, Nikki. So great. I'm, I'm super excited to be here. I'm like your little fangirl groupie. Like I'm always like, oh, they put a new one out because uh, it's it's a perfect combination of all the things that I like and. Um, there's not a, like, I don't know why it is, but a lot of female podcasts are like murder porn. They're all like true crime. Mm -hmm. So I really enjoy this show. So when you guys asked me, I was like, yes, please. Can I do it now? Yes. Okay. So I was really excited. <laughs> Great. Um, so Nikki, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and a little bit about your podcast? Okay. Well, my name's Nikki and my show is called Nikki Needs an Adult. That's really easy to remember. Um, so basically this show has kind of evolved into being about social awareness and social justice, but it's giving from two points of view. It's it's coming from somebody who actually grew up in that like backwoods, why do people think like that kind of um, community and who has kind of evolved into more of a liberal minded person. And the original premise of the show was somebody coming into their adulthood and figuring that out. But as time has gone on, I think we all know that I'm pretty good at that now, but everything that happened in the last four years, but especially in the last year made me realize that the show needed to evolve into something where um, I have two daughters myself. I'm a mom and um, they are from marginalized um, demographics, each two separate ones. And um, being a lady from Midwest nowhere, like you don't have much of a voice here because in Indiana, you're, you're pegged as one thing and one thing only. And so this was my way of expressing that, that, and I think it's a good idea to have someone who has a voice in there. Who's like, you know, Hey, like, I understand why you feel the way you do or why you think the way you do, but this is why what you think is backwards or wrong. And this is why we need to educate. And this is why black lives matter matters. This is why when they say, you know, defund the police, they're not saying you need to get rid of police officers. This is why like these things are happening. And, and I'm happy to be that voice without being like some sort of like glory standing look at me I'm like the anti-Karen because I don't want to be that either I just want to be that in-between person to kind of moderate that and sometimes it's exhausting to have to keep up with the news especially like November <laughs> or December oh, but yeah. it's really the past four years keeping right. up with the news yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah but, it's been a feat of strength <laughs> <laughs> but like um it, it just became more important. And the more I got into doing, cause I used to talk about makeup and drag Queens and those are all still things that I love, but I just needed the show to go to a more important demographic. Cause 
Unfortunately, if you live in Indiana, you don't live in Michigan, you don't live in Ohio, and you don't live in Chicago. There's actually a whole state that Chicago's in called Illinois, but a lot of people don't seem to recognize that. <laughs> so, um, you know, uh, we're just seen as this bunch of, like, hillbilly Indiana people. And there are people here who just either aren't educated or don't understand or believe in a system. So that's what I'm trying to do. Sometimes I'm just cussing out loud for, like, a good hour. Because, hey, we appreciate that. <laughs> you can do the same thing. Yeah. We can do whatever <laughs> we have to do. Cathartic. Yeah. Yes. And that's pretty much it. And that, that's, that's who I, I, I'm a mom with a regular job, but then that's what the podcast is. Yeah. That's Very it. Cool. Yeah. It's really great. If you haven't listened to it, please go um, and listen. It's, it's really good. It's mostly really level headed, which I really enjoy. It's not, um, that's the word I'm like, it's not patronizing or, or anything like that. And I think it's also really important to hear voices from people who have changed over the last four years, because I mean, I started out pretty liberal and then the last four years kind of radicalized me. And now I'm extremely left, um, right. <laughs> sometimes even more left than Amy, which is like bonkers. <laughs> right. Um, but I think it's important that we recognize those journeys and that we talk about them because I think those probably get missed a lot. Um, and it's really cool. I also think it's probably a completely different um, voice when it's someone, you know, we're all like left coast, right coast. Oh yeah. We're that left coast, those- left coast, uh, left coast, east <laughs> yeah. coast. <liberal> yeah. <laughs> but like, we're, yeah, we're just, we're, you know, we are in, I, I mean, Amy lives in the middle of nowhere too, but even in her middle of nowhere, it we're still in New England. You know, we're still pretty, pretty liberal. You know, around where we where we are. So it's a that's a really interesting voice to to kind of hear from someone who is surrounded, maybe not by friendly voices. You know, we uh, <laughs> like we would count the um, Biden. Harris signs yeah like like there were so little of them that we could keep track of them and I mean I live not 10 minutes from a very well-known university I it Purdue's no Harvard but Purdue is known like they're a big school yeah they're they have a big engineering school but the man who runs Purdue is the guy who set up Mike Pitts I mean that's Mm -hmm. that's who oh yeah if you know you know we are not big fans yeah (laughs) so and just like Melissa said I have always considered myself a Democrat and like, that's, that's what I am. I am a Democrat. And then in the past we had, we had like some family stuff happen. Um, my, she, I got, I'm allowed to mention it on podcasts. It's not to everybody, but my oldest daughter came out in eighth grade. So I learned like through her, cause like my biggest tip to any parent is like, learn from your kids. Don't tell them. So like to stop being a Democrat and become a progressive. And sometimes I still struggle with it, but like, I'm just like Melissa, I've always considered myself a Democrat. And then now I work every day to become more and more progressive. So yeah. How, what what grade is she in now? She's a sophomore. She's 16. Um, I have two girls because life is hard. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, one is 16 and one is eight my girls are eight years apart and my my youngest daughter has autism so like we live on a fun spectrum yeah yeah Yeah, you've had a lot of interesting life experiences and you definitely bring that to the show so again thank you so much for coming on I'm I'm very excited to have you 
Yay. No problem. Right. We get into a whole therapy session there. I'm sorry. Oh, it's okay. Trust <laughs> me. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, so now that we've all introduced ourselves, um, every week we, well, I'm really, I, we have a guest, so my brain's just going to stop working. <laughs> every episode, because we don't do them weekly, um, Kate asks us one food-related question. Uh, so, Kate, what's your question for this episode? So, um, so I have to give credit where credit is due because I was uh, fresh out of questions today. Um, and so Melissa actually came up with a really great question. Um, so I hope that this is in the, in the spirit that you were thinking it was in. Um, is there something, um, some sort of ingredient or a component of uh, your, your cooking repertoire that uh, is an imported product that you just really couldn't function without <laughs> is there something that's like either a, something that's for a special dish or something that maybe it just happens to be something that you use all the time and uh you know maybe there's something similar but it's just not the same yeah um you guys can go first because i actually meant to grab my thing so that i can oh. show it to you guys and i forgot <laughs> my husband to fetch it for me nice nice uh, so amy cool. do you want to do you want to go first yeah, um, real Italian mozzarella, because as anyone who's ever listened knows, I could eat pizza all day, any day. <laughs> and I like the good stuff for cheese. So for me, that's like, that's the imported ingredient that I don't think I, I could live without. I'm not like a big snob when it comes to pretty much any other ingredients. I will use like cheap like locally made not when i say locally that makes it sound fancy i mean like no name brand mozzarellas but like the good stuff that you that like comes in the ball like that from italy that's so good it's that's so that's my favorite good. and i mean <laughs> cheese in general Parada. oh yeah, yeah. so mm -hmm. Crazy thing I discovered about cheese. We were watching the guy that used to run America's Test Kitchen. He left and he now has run this runs this other food thing, um, Christopher Kimball. But we were watching and they were talking about um cacio e pepe, which is just like pasta with pepper and parmesan on it. And they were talking about how in the United States you can't make it the way that it's actually meant to be made because the Parmesan in the United States is either not the same quality or even if it's from Italy, it's old. So it doesn't mm -hmm. like emulsify as much into the pasta. And this blew my mind. I was like, wait, you can't like you can't get the same Parmesan that they get. You can pay, you know, $70 for a chunk of Parmesan, but by the time it gets to you, it's going to be old and it's not going to work as well. So yeah. they had all these like weird extra steps to like make sure that it emulsified in with the pasta. And I was like, what? Wow. <laughs> insane to me, like insane. But yeah, that's I mean, you saying mozzarella is kind of, that's on brand. Yeah, it's very on brand. <laughs> yeah. Unpredictable. What can I say? Um, <laughs> Nikki, that. what about you? Mine isn't like a part of a dish, but it's my a part of my daily routine. And mine's Earl Grey tea. And I had to make sure before I said this because I was like so worried. But I drink Earl Grey every single morning. Um, the the thing in coffee that makes the caffeine activate gives me anxiety, and like I ugh. so I drink tea every day and. 
the bergamot they put in Earl Grey tea is only grown in Italy. So I, I made sure that I like knew what I was talking about. But yeah, like Earl Grey tea is a lifeblood for me. You know, it, it's it's like those people who are like, I have to have my coffee every day. If I don't have a tea every single morning and it can't be like English breakfast, it can't be like a Lipton whatever in a yellow box. It has to be Earl Grey tea every That's single great. day. <laughs> I love yeah, like I said, I've got I've got Earl Grey in my little cup right now. Nice. I'm a big, big fan of Earl Grey, and I didn't know that about Bergamot, so that's that's awesome. Um, yeah, I was gonna. God, I was gonna say bananas, and then my husband was like, "Please don't go on there and say bananas." And so we like, he was like, "Like your tea, <laughs> say your tea." Hey, yeah, bananas is a whole thing. <laughs> it is a whole thing. <laughs> Don't worry, guys. It's like we're a banana republic or something. Oh. <laughs> uh, Kate, do you want to go next or do you want me to go next? Sure, sure, sure. Um, I have two. Um, and it seems like we're going to have a, a, I don't know, it's going to be, I think, a one of these things is not like the other kind of situation because mine um, are both also from Italy. Um, I, okay. yeah, I, um, <laughs> there's a specific kind of balsamic, um, that is heaven in a little vinegar bottle and it's it is um super expensive <laughs> and it's pretty hard to find and so i use it very sparingly and i like like when it gets down to the very bottom of the bottle i'm like oh no you know turning it upside down <laughs> make sure you get all those last little last little <laughs> drops out um but oh, yeah it, you gotta get your money's worth yeah yeah and it, <laughs> i mean like the balsamic vinegar is great right it's good the, but there are definitely just like mozzarella cheese is good but there are mm-hmm. so definitely different grades so there's the so this particular brand and i'm sure there are many that are produced and imported from italy but this these ones are this is delicious and then also um i use I use a sweet Marsala wine in a lot of um, sauces that I make and things. And that is also uh, a product of Italy and mm-hmm. wonderful. And I, and that would probably make my husband the most sad if, if I didn't have that in really. Oh yeah. Yeah. The couple of sauces that I make with it, he's mm. a huge fan. And I mean, he doesn't drink at all, but this, no. just the flavor of this. It. Let me like not not. My husband to... doesn't drink at all. Yeah, that's true. My, mine doesn't. <laughs> I've seen yours doesn't... with a Mike's hard lemonade or a, <laughs> your father's root beer. Yeah, like a, a Midori sour every now and then. Um, but yeah, 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 yeah. Does he really drink Midori sours? He likes them a lot. Yeah. If he was gonna drink a, a mixed, like if he was gonna order a drink at a bar, that would probably be it. Yeah. That is coming up wow. tomorrow when I talk to him <laughs> at work. percent. Very cool. Well, mine's not from Italy. Yeah, that's what I was saying. One of these Y'all, things. Oh, there you go. Like I'm because I'm not Italian. Mm. <laughs> um, mine is actually a convenience food. It is um, <laughs> these ramen noodles. So they're um, Indomie noodles, mi goreng, fried noodles, stir fry noodles. Um, I actually bought an entire, so for Christmas, I got my husband a bunch of different like cooking stuff because he loves to like try new things. And so I got him like a bunch of Japanese things and different types of ramen. And this was one of the things I got him. And when you order stuff online, you can never order just like one or two. So we got like a whole box of these. I think it was like eight, eight or 10 of them. Um, so I got them for him 
And then I tried them and it is so good. They're like pre-fried noodles. And then they come with um, uh, little packets. There's a seasoning packet, a packet with fried onions, like tiny little bits of fried onions. And then there's three oil packets. There's a packet that's like sesame oil with like spices and stuff, a packet with soy sauce and a packet of hot chili sauce. Um, And I want to say, I don't think this is Japanese. I think it is, I want to say like Korean. I'll figure it out. I don't want to say it's Korean. Is it? Yeah. I don't want to make a bunch of. Yeah. We have a Asian market. So yeah. Yeah. So um, that I've been obsessed with. I actually ended up ordering another box online because I ate most of them like he had it but one of the problems is that it's like kind of tiny so it's Mm -hmm. like not quite enough food for him which was really good news for me because I was able to then (laughs) (laughs) all of them it's so good and I'm trying really hard to put a little bit more of the chili sauce in them every time I make them to try and increase my intolerance if you don't know Nikki I have a very low tolerance for spicy like I, I do too. So you're good. Yeah. You're good. I graduated to medium salsa a couple years ago, and that was like a huge, <laughs> huge deal that I was Me able to do. Though, like that's yeah, that that makes a big difference. Yeah, but anyways, yeah. So like, if you know, I don't know. Say the United States all of a sudden just stopped trading with everybody. <laughs> These are the type of things that we probably wouldn't be able to get. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah. which would make me sad. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Our economy and our like our access to food and stuff from different parts of the world is so accessible now. Like Mm -hmm. it's it would I think like just like apples, like even just like apples, being able to get apples year round, which like Mm -hmm. we think of apples as like a traditionally like American crop, but like you can't grow apples. In the United States year round. So like just like fruit and produce. Like the, like we have to import pretty much everything. Because we can't grow stuff year round. Right. Mm. Right. Yeah. So it would just. It would it would completely change the way that we have to cook. We're and just, eat. We're just a bunch of spoiled. Spoiled people. Oh 100%. <laughs> stuff happening in Mexico. And the prices of avocados and limes go up. And we lose our shit. Well. <laughs> the, the, the whole avocados thing. My mom. Um, is uh, not a so I'm not a technologically advanced person. What? Oh, so, yeah, it's true. Um, and <laughs> so, and my mom is also she's adorable, but not particularly techy. Uh, she sent me, she sent, she tried to send me a link. She emailed it to me, a, a link to a tweet. <laughs> um, and I was just like, I don't know, mom, I don't know what this is. And um, she was just like, oh, it's an article. I needed you to read it because we're boycotting Haas avocados. And I was like, okay, why? Um, And she was like, because they're cutting down the trees that the monarch butterflies uh, winter over. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, that's a big, big, big deal for everyone, whether we're monarch butterfly fans or not. Um, And it was, but it was so my mom for this to have been the thing that made her decide that she needed <laughs> that's to. the thing it's not the terrible working conditions oh, that no, people no. that harvest these things go through I'm sure that they work 16 hour days yeah it's, it's so fair. I care a lot more about what happens to my cat than most people so I get it 
same and yeah but the thing the thing of that was it was that though that also made her decide that she needed to figure out how to email me a link to a tweet so it was adorable <laughs> um so melissa <laughs> what, are me. we, what are we drinking today <laughs> all right we got something weird today guys um you leave it to the brits man so um today we are drinking a black velvet cocktail it kind of looks like coca-cola um and this is uh equal parts of a, a stout or a dark lager um but typically guinness mixed with sparkling wine um traditionally champagne um which what i don't yeah. understand mm. i don't know why. yeah it sounds <laughs> gross I'm i mean just I do, it sounds gross i do know why from the history but like I was looking up British cocktails and this came up as one of the top 10 cocktails in Britain. What? So, Why? I'm try it now, so I think Why? Kate got the stuff too. I did. Yeah, I did. Did you try it yet, Kate? No. Okay, we're going to try it. <laughs> yeah, you guys play together. I'm going to enjoy my rosé and Sprite. I'm drinking a Bud Light hard seltzer. It's really good. It is? Oh, really? It is really I think it's really good. What? Okay. It, like, it is really good. You get the like molasses and then a slight beer flavor from the Guinness. And then, I mean, this partly might hmm. be because we're using a, uh, was it a Prosecco? Yeah, it was Prosecco. Okay. Yeah. That might be a little bit sweeter. Like champagne would definitely be drier. I definitely, yeah. I, I tasted the Prosecco um, before I... Hmm made this monstrosity and i also take <laughs> the guinness because it's been probably 20 years since i've had a guinness because i don't like them it, yeah at all. like i like i it. do like a guinness here no. or there even though it's like a full meal yeah um, yeah uh this is oh it's good it really i don't want it, it to be good but it is really good <laughs> really planning on just shitting all over the bridge me too <laughs> oh no ruined your plans <laughs> Well, anyway, I was delicious. Drink this. I don't. I I wasn't <laughs> planning on drinking it. <laughs> I'm very disappointed now. I mean, it's I'm really good. It's good. I'm pretty excited. I, I, I think you would like it genuinely. I'm I gonna have to like try it. and make it now because I was gonna go to the store and then I was like, you know what? I'm not gonna go to the grocery store in a pandemic just to buy ingredients for a drink. I think I'm gonna get, hate. Get a sweet sparkling wine. I think is probably the key. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, champagne. Okay. I'm sure it would would yeah. be a little bit. But even that, I. I it's I good know. oh for pete's I'm, sake there's no, i'm gonna have to do it there's alchemy it's happening like, yes, this is magic like, is um, going on in there um, so so there's two ways to make this i made it by just straight up mixing the two together there is um one where you can make more of a layered effect where you pour the champagne and then um you pour the guinness over the back of a spoon so that it goes down the sides of the glass and I layers wondered. on top because they have different densities so they won't mix right away unless you just kind of dump it in there. So um, those are the two ways to do it. Also, I found a couple things online that said that you're not supposed to put ice in it. But I did because I like my shit cold. I don't know what to tell you. Um, <laughs> make it however you want, however makes you happy. Um, so we'll talk a little bit about this. Um, there's not a ton of history. But essentially, um, this was invented by a bartender at the Brooks Club in London after the passing of Prince Albert, who was the husband to Queen Victoria. 
Mm. Um, so Prince Albert died at a somewhat young age. Um, he passed away at 42. At the time, doctors said the cause of his death was typhoid fever. Um, but he had also been severely ill for two years before that with um, increasingly bad stomach pains. Um, and those slowly became pains in his legs and his back as well. So um, experts today believe that he um, might have had some sort of chronic disease, such as Crohn's disease, or he had something like kidney failure or abdominal cancer, and that one of those were actually the cause of his death. Um, I got really sad. I kind of went down a rabbit hole reading about Prince Albert um, because he actually did a lot um, for Great Britain. He really tried to minimize the role of the monarchy. Um, and kind of modernize um, it a little bit. And and he wanted them to kind of stay above politics. He didn't want the monarchy to be making political decisions because that's what parliament is for. Mm -hmm. um, Queen Victoria was just completely devastated when he passed away. Um, she wore black for the rest of her life, which is really sad. Um, and some of the things he put into place actually kind of fell off because she kind of stepped back from doing her job a little bit when he passed. Um, because she was just so devastated, which is just like really sad. I was just like, mm -hmm. oh, baby, I feel for you. Um, and they actually continued to keep um, his rooms and all of their houses pristine, including filling hot water every day in the rooms and changing the linens, even though no one, no one was using those rooms. Um, but they did that for the rest of Queen Victoria's reign, um, which is just like, I feel like, that's such like a little love story and it's so sweet. But anyways, mm. um, so the bartender created this um, as I almost said as celebrating <laughs> Prince Albert's <laughs> passing um, as a, a way to mourn Prince Albert. The color of the cocktail is intended to mimic the black or purple armbands worn by mourners. And the bartender's known to be uh, to have said even the champagne should be in mourning. Um, <laughs> Hence making it dark, which is just one of the most goth things I've ever heard. Like, yeah, that's pretty great. This is exactly. like the emo champagne. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that that's pretty much it for this absolutely delicious cocktail. So uh, Amy, you try it first, and then if you like it, then I'll try it. Yeah, I'll let you yeah. know. <laughs> you two, I feel kind of similar palates when it comes to cocktails from what from what I've garnered from our conversation. Don't insult the woman, Melissa. I say, no, no, she's, no. she's just calling us basic. She's just calling us basic. Uh, you, you, you don't have to take that. I As told I you my, on the internet. <laughs> my Bud Light ugly sweater. This is one of my last ones. I've kept them. Bud Light Seltzers came out with an ugly sweater pack. And like I portioned them out. So <laughs> this is like my last one. And it's because like there's a peppermint patty one and I drank like one sip and I gave it to my husband, Ben. I was like, you have to do this. I can't. But the rest of them were ginger snap and apple crisp and cranberry. They were good. Yeah. So my, I, I like it, but like, I just can't, like, I can't like, what? No. Like, I just have a hard time. I like everybody's like drinking vodka sodas and I'm just like, why would you do that to yourself when there's a wine cooler? <laughs> In the same aisle. Those are delicious. <laughs> well, in that New is... Hampshire, those things aren't in the same aisle. That's you true. have to make a conscious choice to go get hard booze because they're only sold at state-run liquor stores. Yeah. Here. yeah. 
Oh, in the Midwest, they're just like there's an aisle in every grocery store. Yeah, just like one aisle is wine, is wine and hard liquor, and the next aisle is all beer. Yeah, that's like Valhalla, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and to be fair, I love our state-run liquor stores. They are cheaper, enormous. They're they pay enormous. for education and rehab programs. They <laughs> do a lot for the state. Um, so like I appreciate that. I just wish we could combine them with the grocery store so they don't have to make hmm. two goddamn trips. So I live. I lived in Minnesota for two years and Melissa came out to visit me and I brought her, I lived in, in Minneapolis, like in downtown Minneapolis. And I brought her to the giant target that's in downtown oh, Minneapolis. Yeah. And, and I was like, Oh, let's go to the liquor store. And and then we just came out of the like regular target entrance and into the target liquor store entrance. And she was like, what, what, what? what's happening? I might've said it here. It was beautiful. <laughs> it was well, but then there's that, but like Massachusetts has these really shitty, like the packies. Tiny, yeah the packies oh. <laughs> these tiny liquor stores that are just terrible and yeah. have very limited selection so like yeah that's kind of how it is here though because like in the grocery stores they have more but then in liquor stores they have less but they're getting ready to build a huge liquor store not far from my house so it's exciting nice. but then <laughs> i went to pennsylvania and i was not prepared because i had been on the east coast as a little kid but when i went there as an adult i went to pennsylvania and i was like what because you, you couldn't it's the same way. Like you can't buy alcohol, mm -hmm. but in a, in a grocery store in Indiana until like two years ago, you couldn't buy refrigerated alcohol. It was, a, and you couldn't buy it on Sundays. Oh, the fun thing is normal, which is weird. I think yeah. most you can't buy a car here on Sunday either. You can't buy a car on Sundays. The blue book law. You can't buy a car on Sunday. That's, That's weird. Wild. You can marry your second cousin, but you can't buy a car on a Sunday. <laughs> That should be on the, the welcome sign to Indiana. You can marry your second cousin, but you can't buy a car on Sunday. That is amazing. Well, I mean, maybe, Amy, what are you drinking tonight? I'm drinking um, a $14 a bottle uh, glass of rosé. Oh, you look classy tonight. Yeah. Yeah. That's like, that was Sprite. Hold up your truly there she is yeah, I, do that 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 last. <laughs> I do the same thing i, I do, do it the same thing it's fine yeah, it's yeah. Fine. I'm, I'm, not as, I'm not as stuck up as you guys think <laughs> <laughs> you're just way more knowledgeable about alcohol stuff so whenever well, you're I, like what are you drinking amy i'm like uh oh. for, i force myself to drink stuff is the thing like i yeah. slowly right. make myself like things that i don't actually like like Campari, which right. like, I don't know why anybody does it. I don't know why I'm doing it, but I am. So that's yeah. the world we live. We thank, we thank you for taking so, I will so, say about this beverage though, don't smell it. That's the only thing. Oh, oh okay. Good to know. Like yes. That makes me want what? to even less. It, yeah. smells, it smells like Guinness. It smells like cigarettes is what it smells like. That's what Guinness smells like. Oh, yeah. Well, no. We have tequila. No, tequila smells like sadness. Yeah, well, sadness. Tequila is sadness, cigarettes, and sweat. Why does tequila make you so hot? Like everybody's like, I love tequila. I'm like, why does it make your body so hot? Because it's like, trying to get the poison out. I guess yes. so. It's like God. a fever response. Yeah, any way necessary. And if it's got to be sweat, that's what it's going to be. Get it Vodka out. Vodka has never made me so, like, feel like I had, like, malaria. No. Like, I will just stick with vodka. 
No. Oh god, this is gonna be the longest episode, but that's fine. Sorry. I don't I know. It's fine. No, it's also gonna be one of our funniest episodes, so it's all good. <laughs> true. <laughs> um, Amy. Yes. Why the fuck are we talking about Brexit anyways? We're a food podcast. <laughs> Great question, <laughs> Melissa. Let me explain it. Um, so there's a couple things. This is I think this is gonna be other than like our our like um we've had a couple episodes where we talk about like uh not at well, some of them have been accidents, but like like things where we talked about like the McDonald's. I, words crime? are not what the one what the one true crime episode we did that's the only mcdonald's thing we did right well no, well sometimes we talk about current events but it's very rare but oh, usually they're in the yeah. vein of like like controversies and stuff which for i guess sure. brexit brexit yeah, definitely I falls in the category of controversy, controversy. <laughs> for sure like, i literally know someone that voted for it because he thought it would be funny guess who doesn't think it's funny now bitch yeah that's like people who voted for trump because they thought it was gonna be funny yeah that's true yeah if you won't become president it's fine it's fine like i verbally assaulted someone for voting for kanye and i was like i'm sorry but this is no time to be fucking around with that like you cannot bitch knock it off no (laughs) i am not taking that not now no yeah oh boy so we're talking about brexit today and we're talking about brexit because it has a lot to do with food. Um, so there's there's three main things I'm going to talk about. First, I want to give a little bit of background on Brexit. Because I don't think we have a lot of international listeners. Um, We've got like two people in the UK that listen. Hi. Yeah. Hi. Um, so it, as you're listening, UK people, um, if I get anything wrong, correct us. Engage with us. We will please. take any engagement. Yes. You-, you could be like, you got it all fucking wrong. I hate you. And I'll be like, thank you very much for listening. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but we're going to be talking about Brexit and I'm going to give a little bit of background first. So, like, you know, rewind only to 2016 this time, not all the way back to like ancient Rome or anything. Yeah. <laughs> Shorter sound effects. Yeah. Because <laughs> we're only going back five years. <laughs> feels like an eternity right yeah this has been the longest decade these past four years have been the longest decade of my life um but essentially the uk voted they held a vote on whether or not they should leave the european union um is fueled by a lot of like nationalism and like this me first mentality yeah um but essentially the european union which is you'll hear me refer to it as the eu throughout the episode um it has had a primary purpose is formed in the 90s and a primary purpose of one maintaining peace two um kind of regulating uh, the commerce and the economies of these areas of all of the the member countries um from one eu country to another right without like any problems like you just hop right over not anymore exactly. so it's meant to like streamline a bunch of things so it's meant to streamline like um tariffs and trade between these countries it's meant to streamline their bargaining power when they're negotiating with countries outside of the european union too um so it it, it did that for the most part but a lot of people in the uk started thinking like hey the eu is telling us like how how we can run our country and what we're allowed to do because you're then part of a bigger entity and you have to kind of compromise sometimes. And one of the like primary things that like forced this issue was the the economic crash 
um, you know, in 2008, 2010 era. Um, and that started sowing some resentment. And then there was a strong sense of nationalism that started to grow in the UK. Yes. Um, and that kind of forced this issue of whether or not the UK wanted to, to remain a member. So they had a vote in 2016. As Melissa said, some people voted just like as like a protest vote to be oh, like a lot of people. A lot of people voted as like a protest vote. And then like it passed and like everybody who voted for it seemed really fucking surprised. If you've never watched the videos where like news people are talking to people after the vote came out and they they heard what actually happened they are hilarious they're like i just i just didn't think it could happen i just where they got it where they got it they weren't (laughs) gutted it's my favorite thing my favorite thing in the world so so the vote happened all the way back in 2016 and then there was like this panic and hysteria of being like oh shit what did we do so they like they set a deadline and then they pushed the deadline and then the UK, the parliament tried to negotiate a deal. And then like the, just within the UK parliament, they couldn't agree. So like it's taken years of just planning to get it all right. And essentially all of 2020 was meant to be like a transition period. So like they had pretty much like agreements set in place. They had been talking and negotiating between the UK government and the European union entity and deciding like who was going to be responsible for what, how is trade going to work, all these different logistical things. So 2020 was all transition period. Great year for a transition dealing with that <laughs> and a pandemic. It's great. Um, and then when the UK finally left, which went into effect in January of this year, um, a couple different things ended. So one was there's this like, as Melissa mentioned, like you could just travel freely throughout the European Union and the in the UK. So like people could live in the UK and then work in the EU or vice versa. And that can no longer happen without you having like work visas and and additional paperwork um also it completely changed trade policy and it created a lot more red tape for crossing borders for any reasons whether that be personal work or um for trade and like shipping things too so like you know if you order something from a country outside of the united states sometimes you have to pay additional duties or tariffs taxes right you have to wait an extra long time because there's a bunch of paperwork that happens at the border you don't even realize when you're ordering something. Right, right. Um, like the the contents of the mm-hmm. package and the parcel exactly. have to be declared. It has to be verified. Like the value of it has to be verified. So there's like a bunch of now red tape, essentially. Anytime anything or any person crosses the border that didn't exist before. So there's a bunch of fallout that this has created. And one is that all of the food supply chains that get food into the UK and out of the UK have to be completely re-engineered now. Which is so, most food, because as we've discussed before, it's a rock. Nothing yes. Like, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, so this is kind of like fucked over like a, a lot of different countries and small business owners and farmers and like pretty much people on every level. Um, so trade deals that used to be worked through the EU now have to be worked through individual countries and territories. So essentially like the UK, they would be able to like, um, the UK business owners and farmers or whatever, they would, they wouldn't have to like individually work out, okay, this is how I get my stuff out of the UK. Like that was part of the, the EU agreements. Um, and now 
the, it also limits trade to and from the UK too, because countries that have an exclusive trade deal with the EU might not be able to legally enter into trade agreements with the UK. Right, 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 right. So all of these changes are causing delays, added costs. You have to add in logistics, more paperwork, more red tape. And also, like, British ports of entry have seen a huge increase in traffic, too, because you used to have all these trade ships, like, for decades have designated, like, ports of entry within Europe. And then from that port of entry within all of Europe, it would be, like, you know, sent to all of the other countries that it was going to. So say, like, everything was being imported for this one thing in France, and then it would travel from France to the UK. Now, if the UK wants that thing that they used to get, you know, via a route through France, they have to just import it directly. So all of their ports of entry, like ship traffic, airplane traffic, everything is like experiencing higher traffic volume than ever before. And they don't have the infrastructure to handle it. So... This is so dumb. It's so fucking dumb. It's so dumb. And I try as an American, as a U.S. citizen, to not get in other countries' businesses and tell them how, because that's never worked out for us as a country. America's trapped. (laughs) But yes, we don't know how to run our own country. So every country, to be Mm -hmm. fair, because ours is awful. Um, Nikki, I saw I saw you trying to peep peep up. Yeah, just just jump right in. (laughs) <laughs> the thing is, is that not only did this cause a problem in the sense of like where the food was going to go, but it added to food waste. So food is sitting there spoiling. And this affects my state mm-hmm. because so there was this guy I like to call Baloney Head. And he ran this country for four years. <laughs> I don't really like to talk about him if I don't have to. So he. Yeah. So. He made some horrible, shitty decisions with China, which affected how we um, did our soybeans back and Mm -hmm. forth. Because a lot of China soybeans actually come from what state? Indiana. So um, because he did that, um, it affected how farmers sent their soybeans over. And there was excess spoilage. And a lot of farmers had to take out insurance policies to make that up. And you're like, what does that have to do with Brexit? Well, when edamame and things like that get sent to England, they don't come from Indiana. They come from China because in England, they like to see things sourced from their specific country. Mm-hmm. So soybeans from Indiana, and I know that other states have it, but I live here. So soybeans from Indiana go to Asia. And then because of Brexit, they can't just send them through one port into another. Like it can't just be a trade route through China to England. Now it's got to go there, then go to England. So we're talking thousands and thousands and thousands of pounds. I'm not even talking about Mm -hmm. dollars. I'm talking pounds of food. There's a metric gram uh, of food. (laughs) (laughs) That are being wasted in the middle of a pandemic while people are starving. And that's the thing that... So not only does this hit in the sense that Boris Johnson is an idiot and the royal family did not support this so like the queen asked him to not to end this when they had a chance because they had a chance in 2019 and they didn't mm-hmm. he that would be ignored... admitting that they were wrong right right and that. heaven forbid <laughs> heaven forbid so this is now affected them in a way beyond just economically just socially 
They are literally cut off between a pandemic and their own stupidity, and people are starving. They're putting themselves in, almost into a second potato fat famine, which was really going to kick them in the teeth. Mm-hmm. Is now Ireland. The rest of them are like, I want to be gone. Like right, get yes. this thing right. out. So now so, the rest of Ireland and Scotland want to leave. So Ireland is still part of the EU. Part- Scotland is part of UK. So Scotland is included in Brexit. And that, Northern like, Northern you said, Ireland, right? Northern, Northern Ireland, Ireland. yes. Okay. And that's yeah. really fucking over everybody in Northern Ireland because they use like so most of the food in Northern Ireland. Obviously, there's farmland in Northern Ireland too, but a, a lot of the food is actually imported through the UK to Northern Ireland. So now there's huge roving food shortages in Northern Ireland. Grocery stores are going completely empty, as you said, Nikki. Like, food is le- left to be spoiled at ports of entry. The Scotland fishing industry is dying. Like, it is fucking disrupted every world economy. Yes. Have any of you seen the video of the eel guy, that geezer, where he's so pissed (laughs) because he like breeds eels in to sell because apparently eels are food. I don't know. Um, and, and he's going out of business and he voted for Brexit, which is one of the best examples of, uh, oh my God, I can't believe the Panther ate my face yeah. that I've ever seen. <laughs> like, oh no, someone is suffering. You know, what happens <laughs> when you make bad decisions? Like, it's so good. You didn't, you didn't think it was going to affect you. Yeah. yeah. You just thought it would affect every like, other person. Fuck, I'm out of business. Yeah. No shit. <laughs> like, maybe you shouldn't have jumped. <sighs> into the Tories and had made an actual informed decision before you did what you did. But that's what fear and nationalism does is it convince people to vote against their own best interests, which sucks. So like we have all these industries that are like on very shaky ground now. The whole organic produce industry in the UK is about to go under too because they can't um, import and export food like they used to and in time for it to reach the end recipient before it rotting because it's taking so long and organic food doesn't have like preservatives or, you know, like the apples like aren't waxed, like, like things like that, that make the shelf yeah, life of food. Cosmic apples that last yeah. for like two years. Yeah. So all of this stuff is, is rotting essentially and all these different ports of injuries and the uk has now like they have to have their own regulations so the uk used to be able to okay if we want organic apples here or whatever the eu is going to certify that they're organic like the eu is going to be like the person or the entity that checks that 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 is of that particular quality right and then the uk residents just get to like enjoy those apples but now like say the apples are getting imported and they're getting imported like through a route through another european country the eu has to still certify that those are organic apples and then when they get to the uk the uk has to recertify that they're organic apples because they have their own fucking red tape right right and systems in place so it's just slowing down everything and because the uk now has its own like certifications and checks for these things other European countries, like France, who fucking has just, you know, like a 3,000 year beef with England, um, <laughs> is like, okay, the UK standards are not up to the EU standards. So, like, how can we, like, verify that, like, what they're saying is actually true? Like, we want to ban food being imported from the UK because they don't have as strict standards as the EU does. Oh, my God. 
So we have this whole fucking logistical nightmare now that is created because of Brexit. So food is going to waste. Different food and agriculture and fishing industries are on the verge of, you know, just going away forever. Entire ways of life. And then in addition to that, too, we have the regional designations. And we've talked about this a little bit before in the show. And this was the thing that I think was I thought going into researching this was going to have like the biggest impact. But so the we know, you know, like olive oil, like can only be olive oil if it's, you know, made from olives grown in Italy. Like there's like all these different levels of designation. And those actually predate the European Union. So the European Union was formed in like the 90s, the mid 90s. Um, France, before that, had their own regulations for regional designations that they had established back in 1935. It was predominantly around wines. Um, but that kept growing and growing over the years. And when the EU was formed in the 90s, they implemented their own. And there's three different classifications. So one is PDO, which is Protected Designation of Origin. And essentially, the PDO is like, um, if there's a strong link to a geographical region where the food needs to be produced, processed, and prepared within that specific geographical region, um, and it has specific qualities that are associated with that geographical region, that's how it gets a PDO or protected designation of origin. And that's like the strictest thing. So it has to do with like where the ingredients come from, the way that it's made, like all of those things have to be specific to a specific area. And then if you go a step down from that, there's PGI. And this is actually the most common designation, but PGI stands for Protected Geographical Indication. And the difference between PGI and PDO is that PDO standard says the quality or characteristics of a given product are exclusive due to that particular area. But PGI says that it's a quality or reputation may be attributed to the area, but it can also include like human components. So like okay, like, there's a specific way that cannoli shells are made in the specific part of Sicily. Why are all these examples Italian, Because I'm Italian, Melissa. Because <laughs> Italian, Italian food is superior. Because <laughs> cannolis are delicious. Cannolis are delicious. <laughs> and then the lowest step down is TSG, which is Traditional Specialty Guarantee. Oh, my God. I feel like I'm reading my economics textbook. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just trying to give a quick, a quick rundown. So you understand, because I didn't realize that there are all these different like types. It's insane. Right. And the TSG is like, it's the most lenient, essentially, like, it doesn't even have to really be specific to a geographical area, but the process, it's the process by which it's made. It's like, is this the traditional method of making Potato. whatever? Um, so it's not like the ingredients have to be sourced from a specific area. So that middle one, the PGI, that's the most common one. And then, like, so whenever food in the European Union gets designated as, like, okay, this is real authentic olive oil or whatever. I can't think of any other fucking examples. Potatoes. Sorry. Potatoes. Real authentic what? These are real authentic potatoes. <laughs> Taters. Um, so there's the EU, which designates these three different classifications. And then there's also the World Trade Organization, too. And they have what's called TRIPS, which is a trade-related aspects of intellectual property rights. There's so many fucking acronyms. I'm out. I'm out. So many. <laughs> Good God. So the EU does the negotiating. All you need to know is that the EU does the negotiating like on this like more localized level. So they can say like, okay, this thing is specific to Portugal. This thing is specific to Spain. This thing is specific to France. This thing is specific to Italy, right? 
And then they go to the the World Trade Organization, the WTO, and they're like, okay, this is what we got. And then the World Trade Organization just like puts a stamp on it and they're like, hey, that looks good. But now that the UK isn't part of the EU, they have to do all that fucking shit by themselves. And they could theoretically just be like, oh, this is like, this is real olive oil or whatever. But it'd be like made, you can't grow olives in the UK. This is real fucking cloudy and cold. But <laughs> yes, blood or sausage. Whatever. <laughs> but they have to. So, okay, say you make blood sausage. You're just like a, a lone blood sausage <laughs> maker in the UK. <laughs> and you want to export your blood sausage and you want to sell it because, you know, people in the UK, they love blood sausage, but the real market is abroad. No. Nope. So I don't know that that's true. I often look at blood sausage. Yeah. (laughs) So they have to, in order to be designated as like authentic, they have to get a seal of approval from the UK. And then if they want to sell it to anyone within the European Union, the European Union also has to give them a seal of approval. And if they want to sell it to anyone outside of the European Union, the WTO has to give them a seal of approval, but they aren't part of the EU, so that isn't an automatic process. So a small, blood, lonely blood sausage maker. It's already gone bad at this point. Yeah. It's yes, bad. It's bad. So, like, there's this is, like, one <laughs> example of the many, many layers of red tape now. So... In November, and this is the like really sucky part because fucking the UK Parliament took forever to negotiate the terms of leaving the EU. That it wasn't until like November, December that they had all these fucking details figured out. Like a month or two before Brexit was like it official, yeah. Like so, like if you're a small like agricultural or fishing or like baking or like any food related industry, and you're a small business owner, how the fuck are you supposed to plan and actually make money yeah so you have all these these like fishermen and these like food and agricultural businesses are just like going under food is rotting in ports of entry during, during a pandemic when during a pandemic struggling anyways yes so i can't find other than the fact that the uk can now set its own tariffs without having to answer to the eu we're like i understand like theoretically why that's cool but like when you take it in the big picture of all of this other bullshit that now small business owners have to deal with i cannot see a situation where this is actually beneficial to fucking anyone do you think that when the government changes over there is a possibility of like rejoining the eu or do you think this is like the damage is done and this is just Maybe they'll jo- rejoin the EU at some point, but it'll be like 50 years from now or something. I mean, they can rejoin the EU, but then the EU has to vote to accept them. And like they've. Right. But if it's not their fault, though. <laughs> it's the. It, it's the it just government. doesn't seem like it's going to happen. That's, yeah, like, it's- that's like blaming all of America for, you know, the Cheeto. Like we ruined yeah. so many relationships and you have to hope, well, he's gone now so hopefully other countries will be like well that was a that was just that they were just going through a thing yeah and we can work with them again it's okay like <laughs> right i mean it's like, like when someone that, finally leaves their abusive America, partner. It'll be fine. i just don't see the benefit of yeah. leaving the eu i don't understand it's gonna I, be harder to rejoin it like the longer it goes because the longer it goes the more 
of that bureaucracy is going to be set in stone and the more people whose jobs it's going to be like then it'll start to affect like if say like in 50 years they're like oh we want to rejoin the eu by then they're going to have like whole new government departments and agencies and entities and set they'll have it'll be a switch of logistics of this proportion again to rejoin so like i like unless it's reversed or like like unless they vote to rejoin and the EU votes to accept them within the next decade, I don't think it'll happen again. <laughs> I d I mean, for a long, long time. I just I'm gonna share. I mean, I'm sure you guys have seen this this graphic because it was real popular on Twitter a couple months back with the like what what you will or won't be able to get mm -hmm. after Brexit. Um, <laughs> you see. Not my avocado toast. Now, do you see this, Amy? Pizza. <laughs> but no, like, I'd be dead. Look, this says most UK fruit is imported. So buy fruit. Fish and chips. Wait, yeah. what? Mine, How is I'm surprised it, at that. Well, mutton, oh, no. um, they can have. Because. Uh, that was so good, yeah. No ham. ham, apparently. I don't. Yeah. I don't know. Um. EU produced wine. Mm -hmm. Kill me. But they can't, so they can get <gasps> it because they've worked out a trade deal. It's just going to cost a lot more. Right. And things that can stay shelf stable longer, like the wine, will probably be fine. Don't worry, guys. Toast and French fries. Yes. You're going to be fine. <laughs> yeah, go. But ham, <laughs> like meats that aren't locally produced and produce which aren't locally produced, they have a really short shelf life. Yeah. So, like, we have this amazing global economy. Like, we can, like, this is the thing that fucking gets me, is we Don't can worry, solve guys. world Don't hunger. Worry, we're fine. Now. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> That's because good. Scotland's still barely still right. part of the UK. I mean, they're probably really regretting uh, that vote to stay as oh. part of the UK. <laughs> so there's an amazing thing. In my research, I was, I was, like, looking at the different government websites to see, like, what their like guidance around Brexit changes and stuff was. Um, and the UK site was like, it had like a Q&A section. It was like, what is Brexit? What is the EU? What does Brexit mean for our relationship with the EU? And it's like, Scotland loves the EU. We will always consider ourselves part of the EU. <laughs> Unfortunately, we are also part of the UK. I mean, but that have... does not mean that we will change our opinion on the EU. We think it's vital and important. It was just like, it was like somebody writing a letter to like a boyfriend who their mom was making them stop seeing. Like it was like that level of like longing. Forever. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing can keep us apart. No. Not even my mom. Yes. For... <laughs> Forever. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, like, they must, because that vote for Scotland to leave the UK was, that wasn't that long ago, or was it? What is time? What? Well, so that that could be a whole nother thing, because that's a complicated issue as to why Scotland is still part of the UK. Because mm. there's a lot, like, there's a lot in there that, like, the Scottish people cannot control. Like, they have limited say in whether yes. or not. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. But. so i don't know there's we could do a whole episode too on just like the the um the what are they called the hebrides the islands in northern scotland that, like it has its own like little subculture yeah that's the hibbity hibbities yeah no uh <laughs> but they have like specific <laughs> it started with the romans 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they have specific songs and food and like culture and like way of life that is separate like, from the rest um, of Scotland, Scotland too. Um, oh my god. Gaelic, but yes. Celtic. Thank you. Oh my god. My brain. <laughs> it stopped working. Um, but like the Celts in, in Ireland, it's a whole separate thing. Yeah. Wild completely off topic not anything to do with food but when i was in ireland that all of the signs have gaelic writing on them and there's like gaelic radio stations but gaelic is still like not spoken by that many people like there's like i feel like it's canada having two official languages of english yeah. and french and there's like provinces in canada where it's like french speaking yeah. provinces yeah. but it's yeah. not the whole country yeah there were some yeah. like back i don't like to say backwoods that has like a negative connotation but there were some like backwoods places where there were there woods in ireland you oh a lot that's like the only thing they have rocks i picture it all like rolling grassland and rock (laughs) like back meadows we went to one area that i think must have been man-made because all of the trees were in perfect rows and they were just these super tall straight trees with barely any leaves it was very spooky Ooh. I loved it. It was nice. also very foggy. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, where like there were people that we would hear a little bit of someone like saying something in Gaelic, but the response was almost always in English. <laughs> so like I was just like, it's so weird that like Gaelic is still so pervasive, even though a majority of the country doesn't speak it, which is completely off topic. No, it's a part of culture, just like food. So I find it fascinating. Yeah, no, it's really that's really neat. Oh my god, you added sources to your notes, Amy. Look I did. I did add sources to my notes. <laughs> uh, like we'll we'll maybe get those up on the blog for our listeners. Maybe, <laughs> maybe they'll show up some point. You can do your own reading. Um, but yeah, that's that was all I had for uh, for this episode. Kate, do you have a, re- a recipe for us? I do have oh. a recipe for us. It can't be better than a pizza with a completely hamburger crust. Uh, <laughs> I think um, it could be better than that. Yeah. So, so what's interesting, so um, for our listeners who may or may not have heard this story before, um, every every episode we have a little uh, a little Betty Crocker's box. Um, it's- <laughs> okay. By the way, we know there's a typo in the graphic for last episode. I just am too busy to change it. So that's, um, that's all I'm saying. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm aware. Fine. I think uh, everybody should go onto Twitter and remind Melissa. Yes. Tell us. Again, we'll take the engagement. Yes. <laughs> please just engage with us. Um, and uh, and so it's I from that. It, it's basically like a card recipe library situation where it's from the 1970s and uh it's really there's some fabulous recipes in here um so i had two to choose from today uh these were both in the international favorites uh section (laughs) yes they're very very international um they have cottage cheese in them let's see what they (laughs) <laughs> in them. No, uh, no cottage cheese this this week. Um, so we have uh, uh, either English trifle, which apparently the only thing that makes it English trifle is that it has strawberries in it. So 
Um, According to the little graph, they can't get now. So, well, this was in 1971. <laughs> so, this was back in the olden times. Um, so, yeah, because basically it tells us how to make the trifle. And then at the bottom, it says for a traditional trifle, omit the strawberries. <laughs> so, that apparently is the only thing that is makes there this. multiple fruit in it. Um, there are. Nope, just fruit. So apparently, um, if it was a regular trifle, it just has no fruit. <laughs> it's I don't just think that's true. Well, <laughs> Betty, um, but I, I chose, <laughs> but I chose uh, instead of this English trifle, I chose Cornish pasties because Yay! Yay! I have always wanted to know what this even is. Melissa looks There's like. She's got something to say. There's a restaurant in Boston called Pasties, I think, um, where they 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 um, their expertise is in Cornish pasties, and it's so good. You can also get a banoffee pie there. Um, I don't know what a banoffee pie is. Oh, it's like um, <laughs> it's kind of like a graham cracker base, but they make it. It's traditionally made with um, digestive biscuits. So, but it's like a graham cracker base. Um, like a puddingy, puddingy thing, bananas, whipped cream, and then chocolate drizzled on top. Oh I no, it's it. not Sounds pudding. Good. It's um sweetened condensed milk, but like turned into mm. Dolce de Leche. Basically, I would like okay that right now. I would like that too. Yes. Yes. I like that more than the drink. Yeah, yes, <laughs> really, really good. I have a video from when we went to Ireland of a waitress telling us how to make it. Because we ordered it and it was delicious. And of course she has an amazing Irish accent. So yeah, yeah. I was like, hold on, hold on. Let me creepily record you. <laughs> Don't worry. American that just wants to yeah. co-opt your whole <laughs> shtick. But there is a place in Boston. Wouldn't the pandemic, if it ever ends, we'll go. Okay. Okay. So pasty. So Cornish pasties. So this recipe, um, first of all, uh, much like many of the other pictures of many of the other recipes, this does not look a appealing uh, or appetizing <laughs> in any stretch of the Betty imagine. Crocker needs a new food photographer. Well, you really Seven, did, yeah. like styles for photos make everything look very severe, but then mm. also like desaturated at the same yeah, time. No, it's very orange. The it's whole like thing desaturated is... with like HDR filtering thrown on top. It's like. <laughs> color sepia like if color yeah. and sepia had a baby it's very very bizarre so it's like saffron toned yes, yes. exactly exactly yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes we just made some we just dipped this right in the in some saffron water so um so the deal here is uh my issue with this particular um so apparently a corn a cornish pasty is um basically just like a little almost like a, uh, a hand pie. yeah like a hand pie like a i think it seems sort of like a like a pot pie right like a chicken pot pie but just it's like a hot pocket yeah a fancy <laughs> homemade hot pocket with turnips oh, it. We, should do, we should do an episode that's just on like convenience foods of today and like what they're actual like what they're based off of yeah oh, that's a good idea that's good that's real good so my issue with this is that it has well my number one issue with this is that it has turnips in it and that makes me why 
I hate turnips. Wait, why does it have turnips or why does Kate not like that it has turnips? Why does it have turnips? Like, you don't need oh. turnips in anything. Because like, it's English. It's, if that were true, they wouldn't It's English, you remember? Like, I think like, somebody was just like, what is this giant root vegetable thing? I don't know. We're starving. I guess we have to eat it. Like, that's I don't know. why people does started have, eating turnips. I don't know. The bunnies are is eating it. Potato? So it's probably not. It does but have potato. potato. good. Like, no, well, it's like a... a it makes sense to me. Oh, it makes sense to me. I get why they're it, it's the it's the root based thing. Yeah, but, yeah. I don't it makes have sense. A problem with turnips in small amounts. So this um, real quick. Sorry, Kate. I have a oh, sidebar, yeah. okay. and I never have sidebars. Oh, I love it. <laughs> um, the other day, I was I have kids. I have a seven year old and five year old. I was like, "What should I make for dinner?" And my seven year old was like, "Mom, I've been watching this cooking show, and I think you should watch it because you'd get some great tips from it." <laughs> And I was like, that's a little bit of shade, but okay, show me. No shade, no tea. <laughs> so she puts it on. It's like this woman who's like these, it's like definitely geared towards kids, but she's like, I'm going to show you five really fancy, super elegant dinners that you can make. And the first one was like fucking grilled cheese sandwich with tomato soup, essentially. <laughs> and I was like, I literally made that for you two days ago, child. Like. It's just like, yeah, but like it didn't a- look like this. <laughs> and I was like, okay. This is, this is weird like behavior from your little your little angel, your little do-gooder. She's so that which is so unlike she, her. She, but it came from like a good place. It was just super condescending. She thought she was it, helping. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. She thought she was helping, but she's like her confidence level is like is Aww. peak right now. So it's yeah. But um, it doesn't get was, better. It, it does not get better. Yeah, I'm not. Like, I'm not looking forward. Her daughter yeah. is a sensitive little angel, so I fully expect her teen- teenage years to be an absolute nightmare. Ooh, yes. Yeah. yeah. Not looking forward. To and it. they're gonna start. Is she your they're... oldest? Yes, she is. Oh no, her son is a little nightmare. Run. He is definitely gonna get in trouble. We've oh, yeah. discussed this before. Amy's daughter is going to definitely help him out by hiding the gun yeah. so that he doesn't go to jail. Yeah. Also, they're both <laughs> beautiful. And that's oh, not yeah, no, they're gorgeous. Like, yeah. they're gorgeous. Aww. And they got that red hair. Yeah. And yeah. that fire red hair. Yeah. Trouble. Yeah, I don't Trouble. know where they got that from. Trouble. But the second, the second <laughs> recipe on, uh, on her little cooking show thing was essentially like twice baked potatoes but instead of it just being like it was potatoes and cheese and like some cut up chives and stuff delicious but they also put in grated turnips in the mix and i was just like way to ruin potatoes mm-hmm. you don't need turnips Mm-mm. you don't need turnips mixed now, with potatoes if you had said cr- parsnips but not, not parsnips Go ahead. For that. yeah parsnips yeah but no there were turnips i could do and they like too. they took a turnip to a cheese grater and why. just grated it. What the expl- yeah. Did they explain why? No, because it was like a quick, like, like one minute, like just super cut hmm. video of how to make a super amazing, elegant, elegant. dinner. An elegant twice baked potato with grated freaking turnips. Yeah, and I, as I was watching this, I was like, they ruined <laughs> that. And Adelaide so was like, "What's a turnip?" Weird. And I was like, "I have one here, still from Thanksgiving." We're not using it for anything. Here, why don't you bite into it? Let let me know what you think. I mean, in a turnips, uh, in in a turnips defense, they are pretty. I don't don't mind a turnip. Yeah, they are pretty. 
Her, it's pretty, but it tastes like absolutely nothing. On the yes, outside, that's, it's that's I think that's why I don't care. Like, it's whatever. Like, mm. it's a but like, why not just add more potato then? Yeah. yeah. I, I wonder if her turnip is healthier. Does a turnip have more nutrients? Probably. probably. It probably has lo- less carbs. I bet you that's why. Because. Yeah. But potatoes have that's more diet potassium. culture that's toxic. Fuck that. Yeah, yeah I was exactly. Just, if we're talking about a twice baked potato. The last thing <laughs> right, yeah. about is butter, butter and carbs or not. <laughs> oh my god. All right. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, Kate. Okay. Yeah, sorry, Kate. No, that was that was no trip. A good trip. We down live the for the Amy sidebar. <laughs> yes, we live so for rare. Amy's baby sidebar. Oh um, my god. So this is uh, has beef like chunked up like chuck beef um cut into little Mm. one quarter inch pieces like very specific doing that yeah one like that's tiny (laughs) excuse me sir but no no (laughs) no no um and then it's potato there's carrot onion turnip and then um what i really also love is uh because it's betty crocker specifically she says use two packets of our pie crust mix instead of like mm-hmm. you know which isn't like, a thing i don't think that's a thing anymore pie crust mix yeah oh, sure. yeah. Yeah. yeah like what's that mean pie cr- like like, like it's like powder when you add the shit to it like this quick or yeah but yeah. it's pastry yeah a no is pastry right <laughs> it should be but it's not no, this it is comes one of those in the recipes that's like, you're a busy woman. Don't feel guilty. Use convenience ingredients and <laughs> in foods. Yeah. But you feel guilty enough to dress them up. Right. No, make a rough puff. Okay. Yeah. Don't be don't be lazy. I'm not saying you gotta make a full puff, but make a, a rough, rough puff. puff. Can rough Paul puff be Hollywood. the name of our band? that is definitely the name of our new band um and then so you are also putting some um pepper oh like black pepper i was like peppers doesn't make any sense but yeah black pepper i guess is fine and then there's um you're using milk or cream and um the last ingredient on this is chili sauce or pickles so what chili sauce or pickles chili sauce or pickles. I don't. Um, maybe my palate's not refined, but are those two things? Do they both add the same thing to a dish? So, um, <laughs> like how can you substitute one for the other? Apparently, they're um, so you're like you're making all the stuff. You're putting it all together. Um, you're not cooking the beef before you put it in. Which no, you got to brown it. You got to brown it at minimum. Nope. You don't need to cook it all the way because it's going to go in the oven, but you got to brown that shit. Especially like, Kate, like you said last episode, like the meat in the 70s was, there's no like 95% lean no, ground no. beef. That would just turn oh, into like yeah, it would just greasy mush. Yeah. I mean, it's chuck, so it is pretty lean, but still. Oh, that's like, true. Still really. No. Interesting. Um, <laughs> it's going to be real gray. Like the whole thing is just going to be. Yeah, but gray. you're just like, you're by- but it was the so, 70s. So, true. And to be fair, like a Cornish <laughs> pasty is supposed to be like the working man's food. Like this is what they would like take into the mines to eat for lunch, like a okay. hand pie. Right, right. So, right like right. you're not going for pretty, although I would argue that if it's in Betty Crocker's box, it probably should maybe yeah. not look like trash 
anything no. in Betty Crocker's box. <laughs> should be, should be <laughs> pretty. Yeah. True. Have a level I, of decorum. I, I can't call two episodes in a row Betty Crocker's box. <laughs> You know, it just still cracks me up because I'm a seven-year-old <laughs> juvenile. Uh, so yeah, you're basically like making um, a circle of pastry, um, and then you're sort of filling it up. It's it's like a calzone, Amy. For those of you that you know, yeah. only, only speak Amy. Italian. I like, that you're, like a calzone. you're like what Italian dish? Yeah, and I equate cal- this to calzone zone. Yes, that's right. That's right. Um, and yeah, and then you just kind of bake it. You you mix all the shit together. You put it in. You bake it. Um, and it says um, serve hot or cold with relishes. So I'm assuming that the chili sauce or pickles is the relishes um, that you're supposed to serve it with. So it's like a condiment for the side of the thing. Yeah, inside of it. So okay, that yeah. makes more sense. I mean, the chili sauce inside wouldn't be crazy, but. Do you want to know the white trash version of this? Yes. Yes. Because there's there's a white trash version of this. Okay. So growing up, we had something called the hamburger pot pie. And what it is, is you would bake a tin of biscuits. You know, the things that pop and they scare the shit out of you. So Mm -hmm. like you bake a tin of biscuits and in a pan, you would mix together um, ground chuck, tomato sauce, like in the little tin and a can of mixed vegetables. And then you would season it and you would put that over your biscuits. And that is like the white trash version of this. We ate it a lot. So, like, that is funny to me because, like, my mom always said that they were the version of that. And so, yeah, that's, like, the white trash version is a hamburger nice. pot pie. I would I'm- not carry that in my hand, but that is exactly <laughs> what it is. And I never put chili sauce or a relish with it or a turnip. But, like, you know, you'd have that can <laughs> with, like, the protein and all that shit. And you would add that. You'd drain the liquid off and add it with the tomato sauce. Um, and that... I mean, it was really salty, but that's what it was. It was just like, oh, it was a lot of food that yep. didn't cost very much. You mm-hmm. can dump all together. So, yeah, it was just, it's the white trash version of a pasty. I don't know if everywhere does this, but in the Midwest, we take any food that, like, people would have to be somewhat civilized and make it as, like, white trash down, like, not even, like, good, like Southern people like, do. We're talking, like, like, <laughs> like tater tot casserole. <laughs> I'm not from Minnesota or Wisconsin, so we don't do hot dish. <laughs> but I do enjoy hot dogs and bologna, so judge me. I don't care. But yeah. Hey, At first, I, I thought you meant like hot dogs wrapped in bologna. And, I'm like, and I was that's, like, that's, that's the same thing. Why? Yeah, I'm like, that's the same meat wrapped in the same meat. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, I also like hot dogs and bologna. It's, yeah. you know, but like, I, I want to not like it, but I do. Right. That right, pink slime, right. man. It's just too tasty. <laughs> But, like, that's what the Midwest is. We just, like, I make something called white trash burritos. And it's just, like, things that people, because, like, here, um, we don't get, kind of like we talked about with the Brexit thing, like, we don't get access to a lot of variety or culture. So we just, if it involves a norposticide, then fuck it. We're going to do it that way. <laughs> nice. I like that. It's, there's, like, a level of pioneer uh, ingenuity. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <That's> yeah. <laughs> What is what's in the burrito? Oh, a white trash burrito is uh, my kids. So my kid that has autism doesn't eat chicken. So uh, we eat a lot of and my other kids are vegetarian. So we we don't eat a lot of meat. So it's a vegetarian uh, refried beans, 
and Norse pasta size, but the Spanish rice one and mm-hmm. shredded cheese in a burrito. And then you wrap it all up because burrito and you put it in a baking dish and you cover it in um, a layer of sour cream and then a layer of uh, salsa and then uh, cheese. And you bake. That sounds delicious. That. I am here for that. <laughs> yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, yeah. nothing wrong with that. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna have so, to get that recipe from you. Yeah. <laughs> like I have, but like that's that's the Midwest. Like we make things into casseroles, we do things like that. But no, I love hot dish, but it's not. That's not an Indiana thing. I don't know why it's only. I think it's very Norwegian to mm. put, put to do an that episode about it, and I forget any of the information that Amy bestowed bestowed, <laughs> bestowed upon us. So we, we drank a, a lot back then. <laughs> yeah. I would argue it's only gone up during the pandemic. Oh, yeah. I specifically mean during the show, we drank a lot back then. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. Amy would stay over. So we would get, I would have done. Yeah, I would get picked up and dropped <laughs> off. <laughs> back in the days when we saw people in person. Oh, mm-hmm. was, yeah. Oh. Uh, anyway, yeah. So that's what I've got. <laughs> Amazing. I love it and hate it. And I am intrigued by this weird Betty Crocker pastry mix. Yeah. 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 Um, But yeah. Yeah. That's wild. I guess I just didn't know that that was a thing. Yeah. Melissa has become a bit of a baking. um... She's always been a pie snob. I'm not. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just I'm saying. I'm not a snob. I just didn't know that that was a thing. But look, you're not gonna get. You're gonna get like a biscuit texture from any sort of mix. No, it's not biscuity. I get it's crusty. How? Look, I'll just take a picture of it at the store for you. Okay. Yeah. It, it does I've taste never, like a pie crust. I swear to God. I've never <laughs> seen this before in my life. Well, and I think that I think a pie crust, while it yes, it is flaky. It's not flaky the way like like a croissant is. Croissant would be, right. or an actual like phyllo oh, or a you pie know. crust is a pie crust is essentially a rough puff. If you do right. it right, which I like, yeah, but like which I've yet to do, like <laughs> it's not like the whatever there, whatever the laminated is, is layers, like, right? If yeah. Right. Very cool. All right. Well, we're wrapping up here. So um, again, thank you, Nikki, for coming on. I yeah. just, I actually yeah, texted. So I actually <laughs> texted my husband while we were recording, and I said this might be a little bit longer because our guest is hilarious. Whole <laughs> <laughs> thing. So um, we really, I, I, I feel like I can speak for everybody when I say we really enjoyed having you on. It's yes. been great. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Come back anytime. Um, Oh, I will. I will. Yes. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Um, Hopefully, we'll catch you next time. So, Nikki, now is where we all say bye at the same time. But Uh, awkwardly, we let Melissa go first so she gets uncomfortable. We're supposed to do it at the same time, (laughs) but these bitches can't seem to grasp that. So, and I didn't know until after last episode. Last episode. This is episode 43. So it's been so the first 42 episodes. episodes well, no, of- because in person, you guys did it at the same time. Yes, you I don't, did. I don't, I don't believe think you. we did. I don't believe you. I edited it. Okay, we're no. fighting now. <laughs> all right, well. <laughs> Melissa starts us off, and then we all come in like we harmonize, like we're yeah. an acapella group. That's right. <laughs> One good job. 
One beat. I'll be here. I'll be here. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you everybody for listening. Uh, hopefully, we'll catch you next time. Bye. 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 <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I mean, that's just how it is now. Oh, perfect. Bye. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Drunk Dish. For recipes and more, please visit DrunkDish.com. If you like what you hear, subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or Apple Music. You can also follow us on Twitter at DrunkDishPod and Instagram at DrunkDish. And again, thanks for listening.